listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, my name is Aluka. I go to Townsville Seventh-day Adventist Church. We would love to have you join us on Saturday at 9.30 for Sabbath School Kids Program and then the main service at 10.45 a.m. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church, Townsville City. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Good morning and welcome back to Faith FM. You're here today with Taryn and Mon on this sunny Thursday morning. Today we are continuing with our study on in Revelation on Jesus in Revelation, Christ in Revelation, how he is revealed to us, the different ways that he is portrayed in the book of Revelation and how Revelation, although a lot of people think that it's a hard book to understand, it's still a very important book for us to understand. Super important mm. book to understand, I have to admit. Um, and do you know what? Let's put a little recap of yesterday. Okay. What did we look at? So we looked at Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Sorry, I just got the hiccups. Okay, we looked at these verses and we were looking at what the verses teach us about Jesus. So maybe we should just quickly read through those eight verses again and just hit the highlights as we go down. Okay. Um, Do you want me to start with that one, Mon? Yeah, Revelation 1, verses 1 to 8. Perfect. Okay. It starts Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave... gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is he, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. What an incredible group of verses. So we had a quick look at what it was that these verses teach us about Jesus. And, um, you know, in Revelation, Christ is introduced as a ruler of the king of the of the earth. And uh, near the end of the book, he's actually described as the king of kings in mm. Revelation nineteen sixteen. And the great news here is that amid all this chaos and confusion on earth, we can actually have the assurance that our loving Lord and Savior still has ultimate control. That's it. I love how he's described here as the one who is and who was and who is to come. It's like he is the total existence mm-hmm. of everything, you know, like he was in the past, he will be in the future and mm-hmm. he is with us currently right now. We can never escape him. He's a constant. He's That's a con- it. He doesn't fail us. He's always a constant. You know, and there in verse five, we, we, we're given this clear reference to Christ as a redeemer, as the redeemer, you know, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know, this text 
points to his uh, his death, his atoning mm-hmm. death on the cross, and um, and we talked about justification and sanctification, and and discovered that he has not only justified us, but he sanctified us as mm-hmm. well. Justified meaning just as if I'd never sinned, so washed, and sanctified meaning being made holy. And we looked at First Corinthians six eleven, which talked more about those texts, and uh, and it's in those texts and and in one such as this that we can find assurance of salvation, mm. the hope giving assurance of salvation, um, because they show us that Jesus is the one who washes away our sins, because we certainly cannot do that ourselves. No, we really can't. We cannot in any means save ourselves, can we? Exactly. And then you know we also discovered um, you know there in verse seven. Uh, Verse 7 saying, and look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and mm. everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. Um, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes and amen. And, you know, this is this theme right here. It's central to the whole Christian faith. It's the promise of Christ's return. Mm. Um, that Jesus will come. It's a literal event. It's a literal return. The whole world is going to witness it. It's, and it's an event that, you know, it's, it's for once and for all. It just puts an end to all the all the horrific things happening on mm. earth, the suffering, the chaos, the ruin, you know, you know no more crying, no more, yeah. no more tears, no more I've pain, heard, no more hurt. I've heard that it's referred to as the great hope. Exactly. You know, and that's exactly what it is, exactly. isn't it? Like, even though we're going through all of this, you know, tragedies of earth right now, you know, we have this great hope and we can get through life now because we are looking to the fact that Jesus is, is going to come he will come soon and he will save us and and bring us out of this world um to be with him in heaven it's the promise of eternity and these these verses right here they give us hope um that we can find comfort and they they, they give us comfort mm. amid you know whatever trials we're facing mm. like today That's in it. 2018 so christ uh is the revelation of revelation revelation you know meaning a revealing Mm -hmm. of something and that is christ so that's a recap of what we did yesterday and we're now going to be doing uh part two of christ in revelation and um and we're actually going to look about uh what it is that jesus uh says about himself in uh in in this section here in revelation so we're going to have a look at revelation chapter one still verses 10 to 18 now you can follow along if you like the amazing thing about this bible study is that it's being done simultaneously around the world by 20 million other people Mm. um so there is produced uh four times a year a study guide and um and this study guide is available worldwide um like many books these days you can get them anywhere on the planet and um Every single day, uh, is the study is broken down into days and each day has a very specific date. So today we are doing Thursday, April 19th study. So if you get a copy of this book, um, this one in particular is called Preparation for the End Time. It is the uh, study guide, Preparation for the End Time. And uh, you can flicker over to April uh, 19 and you can follow along with this study with uh, all the rest of these believers who are studying this out all together, which is wonderful to just, it's so encouraging I find one of the best things about being a Christian is actually the family of believers. That's it. You know, wherever you go in the world, you know that there's always going to be another believer in Jesus. Yes. And like I've just found that when I'm visiting, um, when I've been overseas and visiting other churches over there, people just welcome you in with open arms because, you know, you may not know anything about each other. You may come from completely different cultures, but the one thing we do have in common is Jesus and his love for each for us and therefore our love for each other. It's just beautiful. Do you know, he is our, our lowest common denominator and I, I'm very passionate about travel mm. and I, I do find exactly what you just said, but 
I feel like, you know, because when I travel the world and I meet many people and I make new friends, but when you go and you visit a church and you you meet fellow believers, it's like so much more than friends. It's like mm. you've walked into family. You, yeah, it's exactly. Family. You really have. Yeah. So that's the difference. And, and, uh, and as a traveler, being a Christian is definitely, you know, one of the sweetest aspects of travel is mm. having family that's around it. the world. So let's check this out. Okay. Um, check this out. We're 20 million family members. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Why don't you read that for us, Taryn? For sure. Okay. It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardius, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw a golden, seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one who is like the Son of Man, clothed with garments down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters." He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> that is intense. We got some unpacking to do here. This is a fully packed suitcase. We got a lot to take out of here. We right really now. do. Okay, let's. Well, you know, first of all, we know is that this Bible verse, uh, these Bible verses, are Jesus talking about himself. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus talks about himself, it's always very interesting. It's definitely time to pay attention when he talks about himself. <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now, it starts here with a bunch of uh, big names, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My tongue's falling over. It's tripping over. I have two left tongue feet. But um, I think one of the interesting things we need to point out straight away is the fact that we once again have that sanctuary imagery. We do. Yeah. Mm. Where was Jesus Standing, It says um, in verse 12, and I turned, this is John speaking, by the way, uh-huh. because John is the one in vision here. So he says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, which we know the voice was obviously Jesus. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. What comes to mind, Mon, when, you, when I say seven golden lampstands? Actually, what comes to mind is the study we did with Kent just on Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. What was that study? I wasn't there for Tuesday. Well, we were, we were discussing the fact that um, Revelation has different structures. So it has a historical structure. It has an eschatological structure, that meaning end time events. Yep. And then it also has this sanctuary structure. And, um, and as we said yesterday, and I thought it was a great analogy, and that is you have to think of like, you know, let's say there's a series of books or a series of movies. It's difficult to jump in and, and watch the one in the 
middle or read the book at the end without having read or watched the ones at the beginning so you know what's going on. So when you read the Bible and you get these <clears throat> sanctuary references, you might not understand the references because you haven't learned about the sanctuary. And so we, we briefly went over the sanctuary and, uh, you know, we talked about this tent, you know, mm-hmm. And, uh, and how it had different compartments. And within the tent, it also had um, different pieces of furniture. Mm-hmm. But everything, everything, highly symbolic mm. and, uh, and d- just dripping with meaning. So everything has a very special purpose and a special meaning inside the sanctuary tent um, or temple as it later became, became an actual building. And, um, and here we have one of the pieces of furniture that's been referencing that being the lampstands. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've done a study on the lampstands before, Mon. So, share. it was very exciting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A little bit about myself. I love fire. So, Ooh, you know, like to see in there um, these lampstands and not that they had electricity like these days we have lights, but they actually had fire in the sanctuary. I was pretty excited to do a little bit more study on that one but really what i came to the conclusion of is that when i was looking at these lampstands the light of the lampstands Mm. like so clearly represents jesus it's amazing like you hear of jesus himself when he comes to earth he references himself saying i am the light of the world over and over and over again he says i am the light of the world and then he goes on and he says that you are the light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hidden and so there's this double meaning here um that we have of the these lampstands is that firstly the light represents jesus and so right Right there, smack bang in the center of the sanctuary, like all of the furniture. Um, in fact, if you do a deeper study on it, we see Jesus. Um, so we see Jesus in the sanctuary there. And then we also see um, that he is calling us to be lights as well. And really what that means is, you know, essentially, what does a light do? It, you know, takes away the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it provides light in, in a dark place. And really, that's what Jesus did. When he came to this earth, he was the light of the world. He came to um, bring light to this dark world full of sin. And he also asks us to be that light as well and um, to share the hope, the great hope that we have of Jesus and um, to take that light to the the darkness in this world as well. Yeah. And, you know, and when, I guess it might be a bit obvious, but, you know, when you think of a lampstand, the first thing you think of is, oh, it, it, it brings light. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like you said, it's a very easy symbol. Mm. And just a, just a point on that one. Mm. You know that there's no such thing as darkness in and of itself. Like darkness isn't a thing. You can't turn on a light switch and there's darkness, right? Ah. Darkness is just the absence of light. Aye. And so when... There is an absence of light. There's really just an absence of, well, in this symbolic sense, there's an absence of truth and absence of hope. And so, you know, Jesus became, you know, the light of the world to to bring hope to a world that had no hope. Um, And so I think that that's just a really beautiful picture that we have here, that that Jesus is standing in the middle of these seven golden lampstands, you know, just revealing himself to be the bringer of hope, the bringer of um, good news and the light of the world as well. Now, he's definitely the light of the world. And and you know what? When John had this vision, he actually uh, fell at his feet in fear. Mm. 
Um, which you fair know, call. You know, I probably would yeah, too. Yeah, it's you know, if it's the first thing you've ever seen like that, mm. you'd probably freak out a bit. Yeah, but you know, Jesus is ever comforting. He's always yeah. a comforter, and he tells him not to be afraid um, because he points to himself as the Alpha and Omega, which is like the first and mm-hmm. the last, and uh, and references uh, to his eternal existence as God. And then later on the verses, he talks about his death and his resurrection and the hope that his resurrection brings. Because without Jesus' resurrection, we don't have any hope, do we? No, we we really don't. If Jesus didn't conquer death, that means we can't conquer death. But through him conquering it, we certainly can. And, you know, and there's imagery there because it says, you know, Jesus also has the keys of Hades and of death. Mm. What does that mean? That's a really interesting statement, isn't it? Like... You know, um, you I think, think it just further solidifies the fact that he's conquered death. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's like, hey, I've been there. I've done that. And look, I, I got know, the keys. I've got the keys. I can unlock that I'm door. I'm in control now. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Having the keys means you're in control. And uh, so in other words, you know, Jesus is here saying to John what he what he basically said to Martha. You know, Martha at the death of, death of her brother. Yeah. Lazarus. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, mm. you know, in the, and he says to her, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And mm. whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you wow. believe this? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a question that we can all ask each other, like ourselves today. Like, do we actually believe that? Because if we believe that Jesus has died and has been raised to life and that therefore he holds the keys of Hades and of death, you know, he holds, he is in control of, of death. Then we don't have anything to be afraid of when it comes to dying because we know that, you know, death as he, um, later in that story of Lazarus and, and Martha and Mary, he goes on and, and um, Mary and Martha are, are crying because their brother is dead and Jesus says to them, no, don't worry, he's just sleeping. Mm. And I think that that's a promise of hope that we can mm-hmm. all cling to, that death really it isn't this eternal separation from God. It's just a sleep. As soon as we wake up, we're going to see Jesus again and we're going to be with him forever. Yeah, and, and as with Martha and now as with John we're reading here, Jesus keeps pointing us to the hope of the resurrection, mm. which is you know, it's the, it's the culmination and the climax of the Christian faith. It really is. And, you know, and without that particular hope, without this particular hope, like what hope is there? Yeah, exactly. So let's uh, let's turn over to uh, Revelation chapter twenty-two. So we're in chapter twenty-one, but let's go to the end of the Re- book of Revelation twenty-two. We started at the beginning. Now we're going to the end, and we're going to have a look at some more verses that reveal something about Jesus. So let's check out verse 7 and then 12 and then 13. Okay. So verse 7, um, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And I'm going to jump down to verse 12 and 13. And it says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Do you think he's trying to tell us something here, Mon? Just the eyes, uh, repeating something here. I, and there. I, I think there's an important mm-hmm. point here. Mm-hmm. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Amen. So, you know how when your mom asks you to do something? 
Yeah, I've experienced that a few times in my life. And then she asked you to do it again mm. and again and mm. again. Like, Possibly because I haven't done it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get the sense that this might actually be important to mum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So you can see here he keeps saying the word quickly, quickly, mm. quickly. Do you yeah. think it might be because it's important? I think he's trying to convey a message here. Mm. And not just that, you know, he's going to come in the far off distant future. But um, this word quickly keeps appearing. So yeah. he's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming Amen. quickly. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I mean, we want him to come soon. The sooner the better. It. Oh, praise God. Yes, please. So, in these verses, you know, Jesus, once again, Alpha and Omega, mm-hmm. is the genesis of the Old Testament and the revelation of the New. Mm. And both they meet together in Christ. Because, yes. you know, Christ, he, he accomplished the work of overcoming the temptations of Satan and um, and he redeemed, I guess, Adam's disgraceful failure and fall. Mm. Yeah, well, he is the second second Adam, right? He is fulfilling all things that were lost at the fall and um, they have all been refound and regained in Jesus. He's essentially doing what Adam should have and could have done. Mm. That's it. If he hadn't let go of God and uh, and relied on himself. Mm. So we're going to have a quick song break. This is City of Light with Grace. And after that, we'll be back with our conclusion for Christ in Revelation. I am redeemed by grace I 
Welcome back. What a lovely song. I really, really like that number. This is Faith FM's Breakfast Show. You're here with Mon and Taryn, and we are delving around in the book of Revelation. And we're just taking a look at Christ's character, what Christ reveals about himself in the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, we've just looked at the fact that from start to finish, it teaches us, you know, not only the history um, about end time events, but the book of Revelation is still the, I want to say this correctly, acro. Lipsis Iosu Christo. That's cool. the revelation Sounds of Jesus about Christ. Right. <laughs> I felt like mm. I had to make that fancy. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And um and whatever else we may study about final events, it really proves to us that Jesus Christ must be the center of it all. Because mm. if Jesus isn't the center of our study of revelation, of our study of final events, of our study of of any Bible topic, mm. then then what are we exactly studying? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Mon, that, you know, Jesus is the first and the last here, as he mm. said, you know. Mm-hmm. And by saying that, what he's really meaning is that, you know, he is the entirety of you know, existence really. And so everything that has ever happened in earth's history, everything that is happening, everything that will happen, you know, is all under his watch and, you know, he is in everything. So I guess that leads us to the question, like, how is Jesus in us? You know, like Mm. he's in the center of revelation. He's in the center of everything else. Like, is he in the center of our lives? Yeah. If Jesus has to be the center of our study, the center of our final events, center of our revelation, how do we keep him at the center of our lives each and every day? That's it. Yeah. That's a really good question. Should we hey. take a chunk out of that one? I think <laughs> Let's we should. delve into that one, hey. <laughs> and by the way, if you think you might know an answer to that one, give us a call by 100 Faith FM. If you have any pointers on how to keep Jesus at the center of your life each and every day. Okay, let's talk about it. Because to me, this translates as what I would call Christian living. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. You know, just living with Christ. Absolutely. Oh. And, you know, it all comes down to this thing that we've been given the only thing that we really have, and that is the power of choice. Mm. God created us with a power of choice because he wants us to choose for ourselves to love him or to not love him. Yeah. Because without that choice, love isn't. It simply isn't. We would just be robots yeah. forced to love him. That's it. And uh, and so he wants, he's a relational God. He wants a genuine, real relationship. And for that to take place, he has to give us the option to not choose him. He wants mm. us to genuinely love him. And we all we all crave that. We all crave to be genuinely loved. Um, and God wants us to genuinely love him. So we have this choice to love him. And when we choose to love someone, um, you know, be it God or our spouses or our family or our friends, it means that we are now going to be making choices differently mm. in regards to this person. So when we choose to love God, we now live our life different through a series mm. of choices. And basically, those choices are all about prioritizing God. Mm. So if you choose to love him, if you choose to have Jesus at the center of your life, you have to start making choices that prioritize Jesus. Mm. And the one thing that I would challenge anyone to argue against is that 
the number one way to stick Jesus first is when you wake up, wake up in the morning, your first your first call of duty, your first port of call should be to spend time with mm. Jesus. Pray, That's read it. your Bible, uh, do something that Christians call doing your devotions. Mm. And uh, I think that's a phrase that a lot of people might be like, what does that even mean? Mm. <laughs> doing your devotions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> doing a devotion is basically spending uh, quality time with Jesus. Yeah, that's it. You know, it can be in the forms of many things, but, you know, essentially, like if you are in love with someone or if you, um, you know, you want to get to know them, mm-hmm. right? And what is the primary place that we can get to know Jesus is through his word. Absolutely. You know, he has revealed himself to us throughout the Bible. Every part of the Bible is, you know, I challenge you. Um, have you ever, Mon, like started reading the Bible and like read it to like, you know, like somewhere in the Psalms or, you know, not just in the Gospels, but the other books of the Bible as well. And just ask yourself, how does like, what does this teach me about Jesus? How do you see Jesus in this passage? It's amazing the things that you get out of it. Like you can be reading like Mm -hmm. in the book of Genesis about these stories of other people. And yet through those stories, you see Christ so clearly reveal himself. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing how you can get to know Jesus through the stories of other people. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't just want to say just, you know, just read the word of God. And actually, before I say this, actually, isn't it funny how, you know, when we have a crush on someone, when we like someone and we're getting to know them, we text them. Mm. It's kind of funny because we use the word text to to also describe <clears throat> the words of the Bible. Like, you yeah. know, the scripture, it's, it's, you know, holy text. It's the old text. You know, we're looking at the text of, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because it's the same way. It's the way we get to know each other. It's the way we get to know God is through reading his texts, reading yeah. his Bible. And, um <clears throat> But it's not just reading his Bible, it's also applying what we read. That's it. So we don't just get up in the morning and, you know, and do some cursory prayer and, you know, read a little bit here and a little bit there. What we learn and what we read, we actually have to put into play. Mm. We have to like apply it to our lives. And this is the basic foundation of how you have a relationship with God. Yeah. And how you keep him at the center of your life. And I actually want to read out this beautiful passage. It's from a book called Steps to Christ. Um, It's one of my all-time favorite uh, sections from this book. I'm going to read it out to you. It's three paragraphs. Jesus says, Without me, ye can do nothing. Our growth in grace, our joy, our usefulness, all depend upon our union with Christ. It is by communion with Him, daily, hourly, by abiding in Him, that we are to grow in grace. He is not only the author, but the finisher of our faith. It is Christ first and last and always. He is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as wholly thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him, to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. 
There may be no ecstasy of feeling, there should, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. Your, weaknesses, your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. So you are not to look to yourself, not to let the mind dwell upon self, but look to Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character. Wow, Mon. That was amazing. Isn't that beautiful? And this, dear listener and dear Taryn, this is how we can keep Christ at the center Mm -hmm. of our lives. This is how we can walk with him daily. This is how we, we can let him into our hearts. In, in such a way that it actually changes who we are for mm. the better. This is how we can let his, his like it says, abiding and his mm. powerful love just imbue us with, with a holiness that can only come from Christ. That's it. And what an exciting thought to spend your, your whole day, every part of it, with your best friend. Oh, absolutely. Let's have a prayer to finish. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what we've learned today in our Bible study about Revelation. Lord, we just ask that you... Um, guide us every morning to to spend time with you. You know the morning can be difficult. We're often in a rush, but we ask that you help us consecrate ourselves to you so we can walk closer with you every day and keep growing closer until you come. In your holy name we pray this. Amen. Yeah.
Asmon. So we just told everyone that having daily devotions is a super important and critical part of their walk with Christ. It definitely is. About, you know, how to keep Jesus at the center of their life. Yep. And now we're being asked, okay, fine, I'll read the Bible. Where does one start? The Bible is enormous. There's 66 books in it. It's basically a library. It really is. <laughs> There's so many different kinds of books. There's like all different kinds of things happening. Some of it's super confusing. Some of it a little bit dry, mm-hmm. all that genealogy. Where on earth does one start with such a huge book? That's such a good question, Mon. You know, I've been asked that before and I've asked that before. Yes, you know, same. I want to know, like, same. where do I even begin in this book? Do I just start at Genesis, like a normal yeah, book? Yeah, exactly. Like, do I start at the beginning and read my way through i tried to do that and you know it really was tough works. going through yeah. it for a while yeah. <laughs> genesis is pretty exciting but then you yeah. hit like leviticus yeah leviticus like, and deuteronomy and, like, <laughs> and they're a bit of a downer on the yeah, whole stories so, of yeah. the bible <laughs> they happened in the desert for a reason that's <laughs> it's it very dry <laughs> <laughs> so where does one begin you know what i would recommend personally mm-hmm. that someone um if they haven't really read the bible before or they don't really know where to begin and they want some good old stories and get to the heart of Mm. who jesus Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. start in mark oh such a good piece such a good yes it's a good book hey start start in the gospel so matthew mark luke and john the first four books of the new testament are what's called the gospels and um they're all basically the same story matthew mark luke and john Mm. slightly different details mark is like i wanted to like luke was a doctor yep matthew was a tax collector yeah um john was he was a fisherman he was a fisherman yeah and uh mark i kind of describe him as like the reporter yeah yeah because luke you know luke being the doctor he's his account is very like you know technical he goes very detailed. in depth yeah mark's like the reporter he's like boom here's a headline boom here's another headline yeah headline, 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 headline. jesus did this and jesus did that yeah. and look at all the amazing things jesus did yeah he's definitely like a headline reporter yeah he's like, he he would like if he was alive now he'd be like your clickbait artist yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it and that's exactly what the book of mark is you know it just gives you all of these great stories about jesus and all the exciting things that he's doing but you know like even as you're reading through it you can choose to read a chapter or two or you know just read like as you get any bible like they have these headings Mm -hmm. in it and there are so many headings even like in every chapter They're, they're broken up into lots of different segments 
And in each of those um, chapters or segments, I think that it's really good not just to read it and go, oh, cool, that was a nice story, mm-hmm. but to actually like ask yourself some questions so that yes. you can take what you've learned from that throughout the entire day. Um, one question that I think is a great one to ask is what was Jesus teaching them in that passage? The mm-hmm. people in the passage, mm-hmm. put yourself in the story. If you were back 2000 years ago, what would you have learned from what he said? Mm-hmm. What else do you reckon is a good question to ask? Mon? A good question. Not only to ask is what was the te- what was Jesus teaching the people in the story, but what is he potentially teaching me personally? Yeah. He could, you know, he could be trying to teach you something specifically for a specific issue that you have in your life that you're looking for advice for. Mm. This is how the Lord will speak to you. He will speak to you through his holy word, through the Bible. So yeah, two yeah. Di- diagnostic questions. What is Jesus teaching to the people in the story? What is Jesus teaching to me? And I think another good question to finish it off is what does Jesus teach us about himself? Mm. Who is Jesus in this mm-hmm. passage? And how can I get to know him as a person better in this passage? So always keeping Jesus at the center of your Bible study, at the center of your devotion, and thereby always keeping Jesus at the center of your life. If you have any questions about how this is done, you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We'd certainly love to talk about the Bible with you and about keeping Jesus right there in your heart. This is Jaden Lavick with his song, My Father's World.
A beautiful reminder that this is indeed our father's world. Welcome to the end of our show. It is our favorite time of the show. Yeah. Because we get to give free stuff away. Just blessed to give and it's blessed to receive. So we like, we're just blessing all over the place That's right it. now. <laughs> and Taryn, you have once again crept over to our prize box in the corner of the studio and picked out something and I think you did a real good job today. Well, I had such a good time picking the gift yesterday that I thought I'd just do it all over again today. And I found a little gem of a book in there Mm -hmm. and it is called 10 Days for Prayer and Devotions to Experience the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is so on point today. I think it was perfect. You know, we were talking about doing daily devotions and, you know, this is a Kickstarter of 10 days of those devotions. Yes. Help you out there and get you started and um, on that journey to, you know, just spending time with Jesus each and every day. So it's a book by Dennis Smith and it actually breaks down, you know, day by day steps um, that you can follow along. You can read, you can do your devotion, you can study. It. Um, it's not difficult at all. Just read the chapter for the day every morning yep. and it guides you, you know, through prayer. If you're a little bit unsure about how to pray and it guides you through a devotional section. Do you know what? This is such a good giveaway considering mm. what we talked about today. I'm going to open this up. Let's give away not just one. Let's give away five of them. What? Five. five them. That's yeah. exciting. So first five callers through. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. If you're one of the first five people through, we will give, send you for free a copy of 10 Days of Devotions and Prayers. You can even text us 0491-064-669. Just message us on Facebook if that's easier, Faith FM Australia. We will send out five copies of this wonderful book because it is so important that you do this and yeah. have a, a relationship, a real living relationship with Christ at the center of it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for helping me out this week, Tara. Oh, it's been no wonderful worries. having you on the show. Have a lovely day, everyone. See you tomorrow.
nothing separates us Apart from when I turn away Cause I am your child You reconcile us And you felt nothing for me but love Where do I hide? done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>